What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Having Said That with Landry Griffith. I am your host, as you probably already guessed that, Landry Griffith. Uh, be sure to find me on Instagram at Having Said That Landry. You can find me on Twitter. It's at HST Landry. Not a lot going on in Twitter. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with the Twitter game yet, but I'm working on it. I will say this too, and as probably most of you know, I am unfortunately. Of course, based on one of my previous podcasts, I am on Facebook now. Um, I want to bring this up real quick as I know when to uh, admit defeat when I can. And here it is uh, publicly. I was, although I'm still not a fan of social media, I am now on all platforms and I promised I wasn't going to do a Facebook and here I am. But having said that, I released an episode last Tuesday who part of it was because of who the guy was on, but a lot of it did have to do with Facebook. I know it was a fact it did. And uh, I got the most downloads in one day that I did last Tuesday for the day it released. And I, I, I say I blame Facebook for that. So here we are. So find me on Facebook too. It's just Landry Griffith. Um, this episode is actually bought, brought to you by LMK Productions. Uh, LMK Productions is just a group of uh, about three guys who uh, really know pretty much everything there is to know about podcasting. Um, a couple of them have a podcast. One of them will be getting a podcast and I've, these guys have helped me out tremendously in my podcasting endeavor. So anybody out there thinking about starting up a podcast, I will hook you up with the LMK productions brought to you by. All right, let's get this week's episode started. Um, so I feel like the majority, majority of listeners that I have, I have a couple younger, a couple older than this, but mostly probably between the ages of, of early 30s to early to mid 40s um, is pretty much the people that I'm reaching out to. We are at the age now that we need to start thinking about our financial future, um, whether that be investing, 401ks, 401as, all the stuff that personally I know nothing about about. And when I will say that again, I know nothing about any of this. Having said that, I have brought on a very good friend of mine. I've known this guy since we were junior high, maybe, but I know at least freshman in high school, continued our friendship all the way on out through part of, part of kind of a, he's the last of the group of people that I've had on from that core group of friends that I knew that I wanted to be on the show. So without further ado, Weston Tucker, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Glad you, know, you, glad you saved the best for last. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Like everyone else that was not here was silly, but we're, we're saving Weston for good reasons. Um, I know that you wanted to be here because when I sent this text out, even before I got it started, uh, I sent it to you, David, Dylan, Zach, and Andy. Of course, everybody was responding. I've obviously got everybody on, but you've kind of stayed on me like, hey, man, I'm ready to come over. Let me know when you're ready to pull the trigger. Um, I knew this one was kind of going to be important. So I was even I told you that I was waiting for the sound to be better. So you got the second episode with legitimate sound, but you did like, hey, man, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Which tells me that uh, not only are you supporting a good friend, but you also want to be a part of this. So I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. For sure. I would I'd say it always had an interest in this. It's yeah. something that that Zach and I talked about very briefly mm -hmm. uh, when we were all in advanced media together <laughs> and it just never came to fruition. Oh. But uh, yeah, glad to be here. Excited to have a little discussion tonight yeah man there's no telling where this is going to take us so tell me a little about like why i would have chose you for the uh the financial the investment side so tell me you know obviously you're from lubbock all that good stuff but what are you doing now and why, why, why are you chosen for this podcast 
It's a great question. Uh, I've been in the financial industry about 10 years now and really got a passion for stocks and investing in college uh, through some different business economics classes, uh, corporate finance and things of that nature. Sure. Uh, I currently work as a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not here uh, in that capacity tonight. Absolutely not. I mean, we're not trying to promote Weston's business. Um, I will do a little plug and some things at the end of that, but Weston's here to educate us. Well, and that was more of a, uh, I did not get approval to speak on the behalf of Edward Jones tonight. I'll okay. be here as an individual. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I will tell you, so Weston and I used to live together with uh, with a previous guest that did a phenomenal podcast, uh, Zach Terrina. Um, I remember when we lived together, so we were 21, you were uh, going to Lubbock Christian University, but you were also doing a little side hustle. Um what were you doing then? Do you remember? Yeah, it was Cutco Knives. Cutco Knives. Yep. So, and you did, like, that's something that's always stuck out to me now for what you do as your career. Because at first it just started off clearly as you wanted a way to make some extra cash. Uh, probably didn't need a full-time job going to school full-time at a pretty prestigious school. You needed to make some good grades, right? For sure. What better to do than to go door knocking and selling knives to friends, family, or whoever you need to, because there's no, you make your own hours and whatever effort you put in is whatever you get out. For sure. It was a way to have a flexible schedule and really didn't have a ceiling on what I could make, which sure. was pretty exciting for a college student. Absolutely. I don't know how many years you did that uh, prior to you kind of getting promoted a little bit and I'm about to bring that up. How, how long were you selling cut cold knives before you, me and Zach lived together? Man, that feels like a lifetime ago, but yeah, I would was. say probably, probably five years of selling. And I had about a summer in there where I ran, ran a branch office in San Absolutely. Angelo. Yeah. So we lived together and then Weston comes to me and Zach one day is like, Oh, Hey guys, by the way, next month I'm leaving. I'm heading to San Angelo for, I think it was the entire summer. Yeah, four months. It was about three, four months, four yeah. months. Um, obviously, you were a good dude and you didn't screw us over. You still sent us rent money. Did uh, I? Yeah, you, you gave us rent money. Well, that was nice of me. Well, Zach and I talked before and I said, man, I don't feel like we should be required to pay um, cable and internet. Like, you should still have to pitch in your third of the cable and internet because we had already agreed upon that set price and you wouldn't pay us for that. But you at least gave us rent money. <laughs> that seems fair because I never did the dishes. So. You never did the dishes, nothing. Still don't. Ask Megan. Well, I brought it up when we were with, I think it was with Dylan on how me and you were stuck raising Zach's dog. Mm -hmm. So I guess we all kind of screwed each other over a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, so you got promoted, you're selling knives, and they gave you the phone call and say, we're so impressed with the way that you deal with customers and the way you're probably helping out other Cutco people and giving advice on what they can do, that they gave you your own branch to where you could essentially run your own your own branch and you go out there and hustle and you brought in a bunch of people from Angelo State other students and surely that had to have been something that motivated you to kind of dabble into uh a living to where you're, you're kind of running some people and really really getting into this yeah i would say definitely and it's funny you bring that up because they later told me that the reason that i was considered for the position at edward jones was through that sales experience with vector marketing and they understood the 
training that you went through and the kind of building a business on your own. I figured I figured that definitely wouldn't have hurt you whenever you were trying to get this no get doubt this career going. Yeah, because I started my career in the financial world right out of college, so mm-hmm. that was the that. experience that I had. You know, besides about a three month stint um, as a sandwich artist at Subway. <laughs> you did work at <laughs> yeah. Subway. You make a mean sandwich though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you accept the job over at Edward Jones Investments. Um, I, and I'm assuming now you have a pretty good clientele to where you're not really having to do this. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, because you drive by these these the, uh, the offices, they have your names on the front door. They're all over. Everybody has heard of them. You had to build this up. Did you go knocking door to door? Yeah. So Edward Jones has a pretty unique structure or maybe even an old fashioned structure in that it's through face to face contacts. Mm-hmm. And this only recently changed in 2020 for well, obvious, obvious reasons. reasons yeah. But they really focused on meeting with business owners and homeowners on their doorstep where they worked. And yeah, for, for a good year, I went and built relationships uh, the old fashioned way. Yeah, and, and I can't even imagine. I, I talked a little bit out about this with Andy, and I have another buddy of mine who sells houses and stuff, and it's it, it seems to me like uh, that's a great way to learn humility is to go you're, – you're driving up, and I don't know whether you, you park on the end of the street and just go knock on door to door, but however you do it, to know that there's a really good chance that you're going to get a door slammed in your face, to know that – probably a lot of people, I don't want to say hate, like that's a strong word, but like they're super irritated that you're bothering them and kind of invading their privacy. But you knew that you were going to get that reaction from these people and you still had enough balls and enough really passion about what you want to do to know that you're probably going to get a door slammed in your face and you still knocked on that door. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is focusing on the big picture and building a business. Um, that was a, I had to remind myself of that constantly, but we are in West Texas and I only got one door slammed in my face. You're kidding ever. Me. Yeah. It was, it was you a know, situation I, that I even went back to and the guy apologized to me because I took the approach of, Hey, I, you probably had something going on at that time. Yeah. And I wish I could say he became a client, but he, he didn't, but we had a cordial conversation well, after he, that. Whether you got him a, as a client or not, the fact that you came back and you realized he probably wasn't the a-hole you thought he was. He realized you weren't some obnoxious D-bag. At least you have that. For sure. Do you do you remember the first door you ever knocked on? I don't remember the first door. Uh, I could tell you roughly. I could definitely tell you the neighborhood uh, because I I started close to a house I grew up in. Sure. But uh, I remember the feeling. And it was, it was some of the stuff that you talked about. But I was fortunate to have a pretty good mindset going into it. And I would say that I hated that process a lot less than most. I mean, nobody loves doing that. And when you're busting the pavement and wearing mm-hmm. your shoes out. Yeah. But I knew what I was getting into and I knew where I wanted to go and the types of people I wanted to work with. You were able to kind of look into the future and say, this is this is just me now and I know where I want to be. And the only way to get there is to literally put your feet to the grindstone and get the job done. Yeah, that's that's correct. And you've worked for Edward Jones for how many years now? January was the start of my tenth year. Tenth year. That's yeah. pretty fantastic, man. A lot of people don't even keep a keep a career that long. And you're going strong. Yeah. I drive by your office 
all the time, and I can't help it every time I drive by, and I'm not just saying this to make you feel better. I smile every time I drive by there because it's just it's just so cool to see a guy I grew, grew up with, a buddy who turned into a roommate, and we were all such good friends, and like, you're killing it, man. Like, you got your own area. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool to see. Most of those people are grabbing breakfast burritos at George's or so over there not... getting massages. <laughs> <laughs> so your office is empty? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to convince myself they're there to see you as well. No, we're doing good. I've been blessed, and, and 10 years has flown by. I'm uh, sure. It's, it's been a game changer for, for Megan and the kids and, mm-hmm. and our family. We're, we're very blessed. So tell me a little bit about like, uh, like what it is that you're doing anyways. Okay. So like I'm a client, I I hear about you from word of mouth and I come into your office, we set up a meeting. Like, what are you doing from me? You're trying to take my money and, and screw me over and put it in a bunch of shit. That's going to make you a bunch of money, right? Yeah. Bitcoin, uh, NFTs, things Mm -hmm. of that nature. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, we really, we have a process and everybody's different. And that's one of the things that really keeps me interested in this business is tailoring investments to meet the goals that you have and the financial needs that you have. So it's always a, it's always a process based conversation, uh, mostly around where you are today and where you want to go, because there's tons of good investments out there, thousands of different ways you can invest but if you're not working towards something, what's it for? What are what, you doing it yeah, for? Yeah, if you want to really boil it down, what's your why? Right. Dang, that's deep. That's <laughs> deep. And I'm sure you do a little bit of it. So if I'm just some guy who's single and like I'm starting to make some money, like, bro, I want to invest. Here's what I want to do. I want to drive that new Maserati that's coming out. Get me in that Maserati because I want to get as many chicks as I can. You're probably still going to help me get in that Maserati as best you can. Surely there's going to be a discussion like, hey, man, we can do that. (laughs) But here's where I think we should go. But I would assume the majority of your customers are set me up for my future because I don't want to have to work. And I don't want my my, my, the legacy I leave behind to have to uh, struggle. For sure. But a goal like that, which would be a more short term goal, Mm -hmm. we can absolutely plan for. And you're going to you're going to figure it out. I've I've got a guy right now trying to he's putting X amount a month in an account that it is just to buy a Ferrari. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. I, I mean, making it, up a funny scenario, but it's just a goal based on an yeah, account. Absolutely. And then, and he's also saving for his kids college and five twenty nines and, mm-hmm. you know, putting money back in, in IRAs and things like that for long term for retirement. Sure. And you just said a bunch of gibberish to me. And <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah, I'm assuming is that obviously a bunch of gibberish to a lot of people. Um, so I'm going to start off with the most obvious is when you get a job, at least in the big boy world, they ask you about your 401k. And of course, most companies do the, uh, um, what's it called where they match you? 401k has a match. Yeah. Matching on a, on a contribution. Um, so this is probably going to make your skin crawl knowing what you do, but I at for right now, and then things will probably change pretty soon, but I don't, put anything into my 401k and the reason that i've never done that of course my wife does it but the reason i don't is i've always told myself well because i don't make a whole lot of money per hour i really don't at least considering what i do um and i've always said well i just don't have that kind of money to put in but then i look back and i realize i'm 34 and there's nothing in there like a couple bucks a month would have been better than nothing so what do you say to me as i don't make enough money to be able to set something back it's a bad excuse is it? Yeah. Um, you, a good rule of thumb is to save 10% of your income regardless of where you are. 
for, for long term. Yeah, for the... for long term retirement savings. Okay. Um, the reason for that is because you know you're probably going to have a, a pay raise and increased wages, sure. and you know you're studying right now to do that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you don't have a good habit of saving, if you can't manage a thousand dollars, you can't manage a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So whenever I do get a raise, or I do this, or I do that, I'm probably still going to be like. Your behavior is more important. The excuse is no longer going to yep. be there, and I'm still not saving it. For sure. That's a great that's, point. And that's the same excuse that a lot of people use for something like giving yeah. at church or yeah. something of that yeah. nature. Well, I don't make the money to, to give, but sure. really just don't go to Taco Bell tonight, and there's five bucks you could have given <laughs> to the tithes. Yeah, Taco Bell is probably not a good choice, life choice either. But <laughs> that's another, another, another podcast. podcast another yeah, day. exactly. <laughs> well, so what, what exactly, when you're putting money into the 401k, what, what does that mean? So you're investing in mutual funds primarily and probably back up just for a second. And a 401k is, it's a tax code. That's all it is. If you look up an IRS tax code, 401k is defined as a business retirement plan. Okay. So it's for, that's where that term came from. It's not fancy or anything like that. It doesn't stand for anything other than the it's just item a, in the book. Yeah. So, cause there's a 401a as well, yep, right? Just another it's line another, item. It's yep. one of those better than the other no it's based on the business and what's most appropriate for the business so a 403b for example is Mm -hmm. mostly used by charitable organizations or hospitals churches things of that nature because it gives them a tax advantage but it also gives their employees an avenue to save okay so either way i need to be putting something into whatever my company is offering me especially like this is like i kick myself in the ass too sometimes and i talk to my buddy about this uh my brother-in-law a lot is they're matching up to X amount percent, but they, it's like a, whatever you put in, we'll put in up to X amount. So it's free money. Yeah. And I still like, I'm so stupid for not saying, Hey, please give me money. Right. Sure. Stupid mistake. If I, if I told you to put a hundred dollars on the table and I matched a hundred dollars every time you did it, you'd probably do that. hundred percent. So that's, that's effectively, yeah. What you're doing, except you're taking it out of one pocket and putting it into the other because Ultimately, that's money that you're not going to use right away. Sure. So you do give up a, a sacrifice of not spending that money today, so you can use it down but the road. It's there down the road. Yeah. Um. But so so I put money you I put money into the four hundred one k right. That now correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that where like whoever is in charge of it? Like we use a, another company. I'm sure who's a competitor of y'all. So I'm not going to say their name because. We're going to you now, but I say that for the place that I work, but where is that money going? That's investing into certain investments, right? It's not a savings account to where if I have a Wells Fargo account and I have a savings account, these are two different things. For sure. So how, that's what's always baffled me that doesn't make sense to me is how are they deciding which place to invest my money in? For sure. I'll try to explain this without putting the listeners to sleep, but... A mutual fund is just a gathering of managed investments. Okay. And they those are portfolio managers. Companies like American Funds, JP Morgan, MFS, those guys manage money for a living. Right. Where there's a disconnect sometimes is as a financial advisor, I am trying to advise and guide people on the best investments for those goals. So I don't I don't specifically manage funds within a four oh one K. Okay. We choose a lineup of funds that will best suit somebody's risk tolerance, their age or investment time horizon, and what they're trying to accomplish with that money. Okay. So those are two separate things. What, and 
I need listeners to understand, and any of y'all that know Weston Tucker know that he's not a shady person. So I'm going to ask a question, and he's going to give an honest answer. He's not trying to promote his business. I promise you he's not. Would it make more sense if I have to choose one or the other? Should I put money at work right now to my 401k, or should I take however much amount of money I'm going to put in that and let you help me invest that money elsewhere? This is not a promotion to you. Right. If you're getting a match, you should 100% go to the 401k, which is okay. not an asset that I would manage. Mm-hmm. We we complement plans and things that are already set up okay. and do that in addition to savings. And and I'll I'll say that one of the biggest misconceptions right now is that plans that are in place or just getting the company match or say you're putting 5% in and getting a getting a 5% match that's a that's a very solid match in today's world, but it's probably not enough to do the things that you want to do in retirement. It will probably okay. cover your basic needs, but what we're trying to You're accomplish like, is help me pay some bills and stuff, right? And things like that. Yeah, what we're trying to accomplish is financial freedom and the ability to do the things that you want to do in retirement, not just retire, sit on the couch, and eat potato chips. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So that's that's where you're more geared to. But you're saying don't give up the 401k match. No chance. You, you've got to do that first, and then there's things that can complement that savings. Okay. And you said a good 10% per paycheck is what really what you should be putting in at least. Right. 10% annually, 10% of paycheck, same, same difference. Yeah, it's all going to equal the same at some point in time. To me, though, so like when you talk about the 401k, this is what's always confused me, right? Because they're putting, because like I'll get in a uh, some a letter in the mail every now and then that shows kind of like where money's going. Mm-hmm. Say I am, I guess my wife is. Right. Uh, to me though, it's someone else out there is just making a decision to where they think that my money should be put into these stocks and bonds and whatever all the stuff is that I don't understand to get me the best return on my buck, right? But at the end of the day, it's still like. I could put that money in and they put it over here in in stock A and it tanks. I've lost that money, right? Correct. So here's my biggest question that I've always had towards a 401k. Would it not make more sense to instead of, because what that is, that's a gamble, right? I mean, in, in the whole grand scheme of things, to me, that seems like a gamble. Would it not make more sense for me to take my 10% out and just putting it in a savings account? I may not make as much, but I'm not going to lose as much. Where's the kicker there? Because clearly that's the way to go is a 401k, but there's got to be something that tells me I should start putting into it as opposed to just setting it aside. For sure. There's about three questions there that I'll try to unpack, but putting money into a savings account and having safety in cash or something of that nature, because the banks aren't paying anything right now. It's not their fault. That's just where interest rates are. But you have to get a certain return on your money just to keep up with the cost of goods going up. Sure. So as gas, groceries, medicine costs more, if you're not making about 3% on your money, you're losing buying power. So if, so if you have $100,000 in the bank Absolutely. and you, do you don't earn anything, right. you will, and you you just go into next year, that yeah. bank account will show $100,000 in mm-hmm. it, Absolutely. but you'll only be able to buy about $97,000 worth of stuff. Because of cost of goods going up, inflation. Well, as we all know right now today, uh, gas has gone up tremendously over the last week and a half to two weeks. And it'll continue. I have a Hyundai Sonata, okay? I love this car, 
because I can get anywhere I need to go on like a tank of gas. I can go on family vacation with spending no money. I usually fill up for between 18 to $20. I filled up the other day in that little video thing for $40. I got rid of my Raptor. You remember the Raptor? Yeah. I got rid of that about, it's been two or three years ago now for, for multiple reasons, but a lot of the reason was because it was a gas guzzler. And I remember filling up for 60 bucks and about pissing my pants. I'm almost there with this Hyundai Sonata. Yep. So I need to be setting aside more for these type of type of issues. The gas prices, the Yeah, and if you want to be super specific about something like that, why not own a company like Chevron mm-hmm. and own the companies that create inflation? And Chevron's a company that has happened to come up forty percent over the last year. And so you're talking about owning as an investing into that. That yeah, as an individual company, but right. not a recommendation. <laughs> Mark, what he just said, he did not tell you to do that. So if you put all your money in Chevron and you lose it, don't come find Weston Tucker. Although if you find him, I can guarantee you're not going to get very far with that fight. It's a good investment, but it can be recommended on something like this. Because, you know, in, in your case, I don't know your financial situation that well. Sure. I need to get to know you better, what mm-hmm. you and Cassandra have set up currently, mm-hmm. if you're properly diversified, and on and on and on. All right. that boring stuff. But right. it, it makes sure that we take care of you from an investor standpoint. That makes sense. So, before we go any further, you told me this one time, and I was coming to talk to you in your office, is you cannot do not tell people where they should put their money. Is that correct? Now, uh, let me let me make that a little bit more, more clear. You won't come and tell me, hey, man, I think you need to put all your money in GameStop right now. Correct? I would not do that. Uh, well, and I just use that as an example because you and I were talking before, but like whatever, like even if it's a long term, like it's a good investment, the Dow, whatever, you don't say where to put the money, right? I'll, I'll make recommend, uh, I would say that I make recommendations. So mm-hmm. my, my job as an advisor would be along the lines of advising and guiding. Okay. Ultimately, you as the investor decide on where that investment goes. Uh, but ultimately, my, as a, there's a term called fiduciary, which ultimately means I have you as the investor's best interest in mind. So I will make recommendations, but I'm not going to tell you we should do this, we should do that. And to your point earlier about the 401ks, mm-hmm. many 401ks, many business retirement plans are self-directed, meaning mm-hmm. that there's no financial advisor guiding or advising those folks. Most so of them are structured that way. That's kind of the way mine is. Like every now and then the company that we use, like there will be a guy that shows up in the cafeteria. We have a cafeteria where I work um, to answer questions, right? To me, it's like, I don't think that, that we're getting enough guidance there because there's just a table with a little banner there, but it's not like legitimate. And I'm sure if I went and talked to him, but they're not really pushing us. Hey, go talk to this guy. So, but if I were to go talk to that guy, we could have a chat and he's probably going to say, Hey, maybe we should do this, this, and this move this year, move this year, move this year. Yes. It's not just a set thing to where if I put my money in here in this company, my money's going to go there and good luck. Hopefully it, hopefully it does good. Absolutely. If, okay. if you're not getting that kind of guidance, you need a better financial advisor. Well, I'm going to say we do. <laughs> or in some cases, those folks are just enrolling folks, enrolling people in the plan and they're not actually providing advisement after services yeah yeah they may not be licensed to do so either that's right. a you know there it's funny with everything that's going on in 2020 and you know davy day trader and you know dave portnoy promoting day trading and things mm-hmm. like that in 2020 everyone's a day trader now and and you get investment advice from tiktok and facebook and yep. none of these people are licensed and they're just people who like may have 
just got a little bit of money and think they figured it out. For sure. Yeah. And they and they have, you know, 20 years of experience of life only. And, you're, you know, they're talking about how to buy a Ferrari through options tradings and things like that. Right. How much of that is true, I don't know, but... That's interesting you say that. So you, you need someone who's been trained in it. That would be advisable, I, yes. <laughs> I've got a lot of buddies that have, have recently got into it. A couple of people that I work with, a couple of people that I just know that have said, hey, man, I, I've got $1,000. Like in the whole grand scheme of thing, if I lose 1000 I'm probably not going to lose my mortgage. Like we'll be okay. I'm going to put it into this and I'm going to put it into that. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy, a real good buddy of mine who was doing that three weeks ago and then I, I meant to pick his brain before I got on here to see how it was doing but it makes me wonder that since I haven't heard him talk about it we talk every single day <laughs> I yeah. wonder what happened to his thousand but you talk about he was getting him advi- his advice from his friend who claims that he's an expert yeah and and there's a pretty big you said this earlier and I want to address this there's a pretty big um misconception when it comes to investing and gambling mm-hmm. the things that you're talking about right now i would consider gambling well that's like, what i assume investing is it's exactly and that's what i want to address so Please. if you if you invest in the stock market mm-hmm. let's let's just say over the last 45 years how many years do you think you would have made money in the last 45 years off of if i was investing in just, the stock market just per year you've invested in diversified stock portfolio or, or an mm-hmm. index like mm-hmm. s&p 500 how many years out of 45 years do you think you would have made money? I mean, realistically thinking, I would say maybe just a little less than half. Let's say 20. Okay, so like flipping a coin. It's, it's 36. thirty-six. you made money? 36 out of 45 years, you would have made a profit just of owning something. stocks. Yes, of something so, positive return or better. Sure. Yeah. And if, if you go to Vegas and you play blackjack and you win 36 out of 45 hands, yeah. they will kick you out. Yeah, that, yeah that's phenomenal. They will phenomenal. think you're counting. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to Vegas to, um, in two days from now. But people don't understand that. People listen to mainstream media, which is one of the worst places, TikTok, you know, other <laughs> other social media. People using TikTok. And it's just not a good source for information. Um, so well, it, you probably have guys who, who like invested a little bit and they just like, they happen to hit big and like, Oh, Hey guys, check this out. I just won 10 K on not one, but you know, yeah. I just made 10 K on this stock and then everybody buys into it. Cause they're stupid enough to listen to the TikTok user and then they lose all their money. Yeah. And those go back to the gambling side of things because okay. the, you know, things like, uh, GameStop and AMC and those trades that were happening recently, those are those are unique positions in the market where something is going on besides traditional investing. Those are that's that's what's called a short squeeze. I want you like just because it got brought up because when all that was on on the news not too long ago, um, I had to do a lot of research and we don't have to talk hours and hours on what happened the other day or the other week. But everybody knows that people were screwing over the big guys in the GameStop thing. And I guess AMC did, did, did was the same thing on with AMC because I was reading up about it with, with GameStop. Yeah, let, let's just focus on one with, with GameStop because it, it's a similar similar situation. But long story short, um, a group on Reddit, an investing group on Reddit, decided to that there's not a whole lot going on right now. Let's kind of have fun with an investment. And they chose GameStop because it had been trending down for a long time. Probably and, get like eventually going to go out of business. Yes, bad, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's the blockbuster of the gaming world. Exactly. So there's there are a lot of hedge fund managers. And I'll be very clear, that's not what we do. We are not hedge fund managers. We're not invest. We're not uh, uh I think that's a huge that disclaimer. Of, and I want people to understand that, that uh, 
financial advisor at least this guy's sitting two feet in front of me is not a hedge funder because hedge funders are kind of pieces of shit well they can be and i can't speak to that very very intelligently but ultimately there was a lot of positions where they were betting or Mm -hmm. short GameStop, meaning sure. that they made money as the stock went down. Absolutely. So it's essentially the way, it, like you can describe that. So if anybody is a gambler, legitimate gambler, you're paying the uh, don't pass line instead of the pass line on craps. You're betting that everybody else is going to lose. When you lose, I win. Correct. And and ultimately, what happened is that if you push that price higher, then it puts them in a compromised position where they either have to buy more shares sure. or execute a position at a loss. Sure. And and that long story short, that was done a large number of times because there was a huge following with this group um, this and then group. kind of a domino effect. And this is an anomaly. The only one that was close to this was in the early like 1900s with a grocery store chain yeah. where these the hedge fund managers were actually promoting it and they started to uh, short the company while spreading rumors that just because one of their one of the grocery store's divisions was doing very poorly that this mm. company was going out of business and it mm. wasn't the case. Wow. Uh, and the, and effectively the owner of this grocery store took out a $10 million loan which was a lot more money then than it, than oh, it is absolutely. now. That's a lot of money now. I can yeah. imagine in the 1900s, early 1900s. For sure. Uh, this is sometime after the Great Depression and he went and basically went to Wall Street and started pushing it, pushing money the other direction. Uh, that story doesn't have a happy ending. He actually ended up losing the ten million and and <laughs> didn't work out well. But that's the only relevant or close to a, a short squeeze like what happened with GameStop. But when that was going on, essentially what it was was, from my understanding, is some people were pissed off that some people were about to make a ton of money that GameStops could go out of business. They had the power of social media, which everybody referred to my a couple podcasts I did a couple weeks ago on the powers of social media, and everybody kind of took over and it was, an, it was kind of a big middle finger to those type of people. But those those issues don't happen a lot, right? Like that's not a big thing. Yeah, very very rare occurrence. It's the exception as opposed to the rule. Uh, and I don't know that it wasn't more just motivated by being able to make money. Yeah, because it, well, I it, think ninety nine percent of the people who were throwing money at GameStop that day or those couple of days um, had no idea what they were doing. But they just saw that their buddies and their buddies' friends and their buddies' friends' friends were saying, "Hey, put money in GameStop right now. Get on Robinhood. Put it in. You're going to make some money." Well, and but it's the still whole happening. Core of it, Go ahead. No, I'm saying the whole core of it was was kind of the people like stick it to the man type thing. It's still happening though with this company. Yeah, we saw GameStop swing a huge, huge uh, percentage point over the last couple of days, Can up, I s- up and down, and and it's it's very much a speculative investment sure. at this point. How happy does it make you to see GameStop doing good? Because I know, without a doubt in my mind, that you and our dear friend, Mr. Dylan Griffin, have camped outside of that store for hours on end waiting for the new Call of Duties to come out, so... Like, I'm not even asking you if you invest in that or not. I don't care. It's none of my business. But for you to see a business like that that was, like, such a good part of who you are today to kind of go down, and now you're like, hell yeah, GameStop's killing it. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, <laughs> but uh, I do not invest in that company, and I, and I don't advise people to. I think that that is a like you said, much more – I would never I would never take on that kind of risk with somebody else's money. 
but but ga- so things change, right? Uh, mm-hmm. GameStop was was the place to go get uh, consoles, games. As soon yeah. as they release, you get out there at midnight. You, you camp out and yeah. you get get it at midnight and play till four in the morning, and uh, you know regret it the next day. But ultimately. Uh, things change and that's what's cool about the the world that we live in is that now um, it's you all of this stuff is just downloadable it's all digital GameStop is failing for a reason it's because there's creative destruction and now now all of the consoles the PCs you know it's too there's no more there's there's less and less hardware and it's more software and virtual my nephew shout out Colton is a huge gamer right sweetest kid you'll ever meet the dude like if you and dylan were to meet this kid and he's he's like early teens Mm -hmm. y'all would be his best friend y'all probably hop on call of duty with him but we used to get him gamestop gift cards for christmas every year and now it's like i I don't remember what it was this year but we're like you get him a gift card to like an online where you download the game sure you know what i'm saying it's crazy how that stuff advances no doubt if we could, um, if we could just turn back the clock and go back to the good old days, I, well, now now with two kids, I and, don't like the good old days. Well, I mean it. I, I no, wouldn't, I wouldn't you, go back either. But well, I, no, I'm going to tell you, you there, there's there's two people that make me not like the good old days when we're just talking about gaming. Okay, that would be you, and that would be Dylan. Okay, because <laughs> I used to live with Dylan and I shared a wall with him. Right, but. Let's see, three years prior to me living with Dylan and sharing a wall with Dylan, I lived with you. Yep. And I shared a wall with you. And what made it worse when I lived with you is that the wall we shared was the wall that had your, like, 48-inch TV. And (laughs) (laughs) you and Dylan, because he would be online, y'all be playing online gaming, he's at his house, would keep me up all night long. And let me just tell you... And I'm sure Megan can attest to some of this, but she probably doesn't know like how bad it really was at one point, because like you said, you're married, you got kids, like it's calmed down some, you would keep me up till five or six in the morning, screaming on your headset on how bad your teammates sucked or come on, Dylan, you should have shot him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you how much, I'll tell you how much it's calmed down. I'm going to sleep on average around 930 PM these days. I mean, you're just like, I'm full dad mode. But see, I was, I've always been full dad mode when it comes to going to bed. I've never enjoyed going to bed late. So I would be in bed at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. You're just getting your night started with the gaming. And my wall used to rattle. Yeah. Because I don't know if you remember this. You had, like, I don't know if you would call it surround sound because we were renting a house. It's not like you had speakers up in the ceiling. But you brought home, like, a huge, uh, like, the bass thing with shaky speakers we didn't have big rooms yeah dude <laughs> like 40, 42 inch vizio yeah made by the sony yeah, the knockoff brand off of Sam, from sam's yep and and i still have that tv actually <laughs> and it still works that's amazing like, perfectly that's it's crazy it's one of the best tvs i've ever bought and that's when those flat screens very first came out oh, yeah but, it was a new thing yeah but i digress it was good good times living together wouldn't go back let's keep moving forward let me just say something because like we're, we're gonna get back on track but here we are uh this this makes me laugh all the time so a lot of people that have listened to the podcast say they enjoy kind of getting a little piece of the ones that don't, didn't know me then piece of who i was before sure people like megan red camera have texted me they love hearing the stories to, for the old time sakes okay you and your wife Megan, but y'all had just like y'all had been dating, but y'all were still kind of like in the beginning stages of your uh, 
of your relationship. We're out on a date one night when we were roommates and Zach, Terina and myself decided we were gonna be play a stupid game called Shots and Ladders, okay? The funny part about that is it was just the two of us. It's not like a big party. And we, within probably 45 minutes, didn't even know our first names. Is I guess we both lost or won the game, I'm not sure. So anyways, having said that, we had the bright idea that we were going to mess with Weston because Weston was not at home at this time. He was on a date with Megan. So we go into Weston's room and we decide to take every piece of clothing that you had except for one ratty t-shirt and a pair of shorts. I'm not so sure we left you underwear. For storytelling purposes, I always say we took your underwear, okay? Right. What's kind of shitty now, looking back, is we knew that y'all were going to wake up and go to church the next morning, which is what made it even funnier to me and Zach at the time, is that you wouldn't have church clothes, okay? We took everything out. I'm talking drawer, one by one, underwear drawer, sock drawer, short drawer, undershirt drawer, closet. Took You had nothing left, and we put it in our cars. Well, then, like, y'all stayed out late, so, of course, me and Zach, as it happens when you have alcohol, you wind up sleeping pretty hard, right? You wake me up at, I don't know, let's say one in the morning, two in the morning, like, dude, 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 wake up, wake up. I'm like, what's going on? You said, I think someone broke into our house. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, All what my do stuff you, was gone. What do you mean? You said, dude, everything's gone. And to this day, when I tell the story, I can't help but cracking up because my mindset, and I think I told you this then, at least me and Zach told you the next day, is do you really think that a, a burglar is going to come into the house? They're going to bypass all these TVs, we all had laptops, your gaming console, all the stuff that can make money because you dress so good they yeah, just stole your wardrobe. Especially in college. <laughs> I mean, I had the style for days. Oh, man, your Petersburg black shirt, man. Oh. But that, that story is one of the funny – I tell that story all the time to people and up at work and stuff. It's just a funny story, a little prank story that we stole all your clothes. And yep. I kind of feel bad now. We stopped you from going to church the next morning, but you thought someone robbed us. I, I think I put a can of tuna fish under your bed to, to get you back. And yeah, somehow, with the mess that your room was, within like two days before it really started stinking, you found it under your bed and <laughs> stuck it back in my underwear drawer. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but that backfired on me big It backfired time. on you because I found it immediately because you didn't do If you would have hid it under some clothes, I would have never found it because I'm not doing laundry at 21. You shoved it under the bed. I put it in your drawer. It took you forever to find yeah. it. I remember I ordered some polo hats because this is back in my polo wearing days and you got home first you took the polo hats from me and you held them ransom until i told you where the tuna can was in your room because your room smelled so bad so i finally found it and showed it to you so i get my hats back yeah good times oh, good man, times so funny i know we just digress but it's hilarious to do to to live some of the old times absolutely so a question I have too that this like this one really sticks out to me when you're talking investing is the stock market in general. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you talk about like used to it wasn't this easy. It really wasn't. But now all you gotta do is download an app. Like I, the one I know of is Robinhood, but I know there's plenty of them. Sure. Do you advise? clients friends that maybe even you don't use clients to invest in the stock market or is that shady 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 business unless you're super well versed in the actual stock market stock market yeah it's it's not um you know if you if you want to have some sort of a plan and you want to have some guidance there that's always a good thing but i'd say that the interest that has been peaked in 2020 is an absolutely great thing somewhere around 50% of americans 45 and older are not prepared for retirement. So the more people that can get involved in stock market 
uh, investing and, and, and bond investing and just investing in general and just creating those behaviors, those good saving behaviors, it, it's great. So I don't discourage any of that. Um, I think that there, there's a lot of pitfalls and potential losses out there that people aren't aware of because coming out of coronavirus in March of last year, we're about a year removed from that. And the much, Dow- almost exactly. Yeah. Like we're like three days away, I think, or maybe two from the day that Texas got shut down. Yeah. And, and February 22nd is when really we heard a lot about it being in America. The bottom of the market was at the end of March. So we're not far out from, from the bottom of the market, but pretty much <laughs> a monkey throwing a dart at a, at, at a wall full of stocks could have made money over the last year. And that's when a lot of people really started looking at investing because we were stuck in our homes. Yep. A good friend of mine did that guy, you know, I don't want to call him out. His initials are SW who I, I'm really good friends with. We all went to school. Sure. Um, he invested a lot in some Las Vegas hotels because mm-hmm. they were next to nothing. And he was smart enough to know that Las Vegas is not getting shut down permanently. Like Vegas will always be Vegas, right? For sure. Don't put a lid on that. MGM, uh, when these companies are were drastically undervalued, um, outside of outside of Vegas, you can take a company like Boeing, and they had they had kind of a double whammy in that that seven thirty seven mm-hmm. Max crash. Yeah, for sure. But they th- that company dropped under a hundred dollars a share. They dropped to something around eighty nine dollars as a low. Boeing could have sold its fleet of aircrafts for more than the stock was valued at at yeah. that time. So there wow. was there was fantastic investments, and now today, as we're talking, the Dow is at a all time high. It closed today is at really thirty two thousand. I don't know much about this, but I do know when the Dow's down, it's a big conversation. So the fact that it's up says a lot about where we're heading with our economy. Like maybe there is some light at the end of this shit COVID tunnel we've been living in, right? Um. Same guy that I was talking about, this is just funny. And it it just goes to show, like, at the end of the day, and I know you don't look at it as this, but it is a gamble. Now, there are really smart plays and there are really dumb plays, but you don't know what's going to happen, right? He invested in Tesla because Tesla dropped down to, like, it might as well have been pennies on the dollar. Like, for Tesla, it was was chump change, right? Right. I think he bought a couple shares of Tesla for, like, it was less than 100 bucks a share. I know you know as well as I do, that that's that's chump change for Tesla because mm-hmm. they get really high really quick, right? Sure. The cool thing about it was is that he bought it and he saw it rising and he told himself when this hits my shares hit a thousand dollars profit, I'm selling. Good for you, buddy. He made a thousand dollars over doing essentially nothing, right? Mm-hmm. The it's just funny to me because he called me excited about that and he called me like not too long later which which seemed like a couple weeks later it's like i'm so fucking stupid for selling my tesla shares i should have known tesla's gonna go up he could have made thousands plural because he sold quickly like i think he bought back into it and he knows like hey that's a long-term investment it's just funny but like to me that's what's always made me nervous but i guess that's a lot of the fun too when you're talking stock market is you don't know what's going to happen today you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but let's throw some money down and see what happens yeah, I think one of the main things that people miss with investing, though, is that you don't have to sell a good company. You really only need to sell if you're needing the income. You mm-hmm. need it to, to live, to enjoy life. Right. Or something has fundamentally changed about that company. 
So there's not a big reason to go sell a company like that. Just because it's starting to climb, you're you're saying it, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go ahead and sell now because it may go up, and it may go down, but it's going to go up again. Correct. And and Tesla may be a small you know exception to that rule because Tesla was about 2,600 times earning at their current share price, which is exactly they were they were valued at a greater valuation than Walmart, and mm-hmm. Walmart does about 10x the revenue of right. Tesla, or they did last weird year. Phenomena, but he. Like when that if, just FYI, if Tesla drops down to less than a hundred dollars a share buy into Tesla, I don't even know anything, but I know from listening to his experience, he like it was like twenty bucks. There's another unlicensed uh, stock advisor for you. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> a really good point. Don't listen to me. I don't invest in anything ever. Period. So, <laughs> like I know that should change, but I sure as shit am not on Robinhood doing the stock market. You're not. You're not wrong. If Tesla does get under hundred dollars a share, it's it's a great time to buy in. But I don't know that we'll ever see that again. It what's kind of weird? It was like in probably April or May of last year. Yeah. What's kind of What's kind of wild to think about is that just a year ago, we will probably never see the lows in any of the markets. The Dow, which is 30 companies, the S&P, which is the largest 500 companies, and and the NASDAQ, which is about 3,300 technology companies. Holy we shit, will, we won't that. see the lows again, more than likely. Sure. I mean, never say never, but it's very unlikely that we'll see those lows again. And to your point about it being a gamble, what is, what is a paradigm shift for a lot of people is that if you have a 50-50 portfolio, half stocks, half bonds, mm-hmm. you can't show me a five-year time frame in which you've lost money investing. Really? Yes. Ever? No. It, it, at the worst case scenario, if, if you come into the new monetary policy, which is post-Great Depression, the worst that you've done is making 1%. I, I need everybody which is not to good, hear that. But, so I want you to repeat what you just said. Since the Great Depression, so pretty much nobody that we know lived through that. Um, very few people did, man. Like maybe hating like on the ninety-year-olds. I am hating on the ninety-year-olds, but they're not listening to podcasts, anyways. <laughs> not true. If you have, if you have invested stocks and bonds, really in in the last almost hundred years, because we're pretty much there. Yeah, close. You haven't lost any money in the long run. If you stay invested, and that's a 50-50 split, half stocks, half bonds. So that means half your money is in interest-generating investments, not Mm -hmm. in the market. Mm -hmm. The the numbers show that any five-year rolling period... You make a profit, and, you said and even there's one percent. Bad... But I'll take one percent over negative one percent any day. Would you agree that's not a gamble? I would one hundred percent agree that's not a gamble, and I, I like that you just told me that because, like I said, I'm new to all this. Like I know I say new, like I don't understand it all. I'm trying to get more interested. For one, the buddy of mine that I was talking about kind of piqued my interest. My wife like put twenty bucks on Robinhood not too too long ago and like bought her up to a hundred. She's like, hell yeah! I'm like, hey. That's five times profit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's phenomenal numbers. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it, I guess you could look at it as a gamble, but I guess as I'm hearing you speak and, you know, and trusting what you have to say, it's, it's not a gamble. It's just a little nerve wracking. So I guess you see, and you probably see this the most with your clients who are new to this is the initial, like, oh, here's some money. Mm-hmm. Help me out with this. Yeah. And it all comes down to education, making making sure you're more comfortable with what you're investing in or how you're investing. But there's a big difference between putting money on Robinhood and buying a stock yeah. versus working with somebody that's going to help guide you in a long-term portfolio and when to take gains and when to push on the gas a little bit and mm. purchase it when there's opportunities. 
which is what you do. So like, okay, so I come to you and, and, and I'm assuming you're going to look at my financials and say, Hey man, it looks like you've got X amount of money that we can, let's start low. Let's figure this out. You've got this. Let's start off with this. Okay. So now that I've done this, how often am I, am I meeting up with you in order to, to make sure we're on the same page? Are you just a phone call away? Do yeah. we, do we have monthly meetings? I mean, what are we doing here? It's really preference, but at least once a year, mm -hmm. I'll sit down with my clients and go over that. Mm -hmm. But I have I have folks that are more active investing that we do talk once a month. Sure. Uh, maybe even more frequently. But for the most part, I'll, I'll say this, and this is not a loss on anybody, but good investing is boring. You, you actually, you, good investing is not only boring, it actually, from an emotional standpoint, mm -hmm. you want to invest when you feel bad. And sell out of the market when you feel good. Right. So like at a time like this, I'm not saying I'm not advocating for selling out at this point, but a lot of times when things are going really well, that's probably when you should put some hay in the barn, protect some of the gains that you've had. And then when the news media is talking about everything going bad and the stock market is tanking, that is an opportunity. But that's bye, 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 bye. Yes, and that is the opposite of what our human instinct tells us to do yeah. because we're protective in nature. But ultimately, the the old adage of buying low and selling high mm -hmm. is the opposite of human emotion. So it takes, A, a lot of discipline to really understand that, like we started off this, this whole conversation on financial future. I'm not trying to invest money right now to get rich today. I'm trying to invest money right now to where I don't have to have too many worries what, 30, 40 years down the line to where I'm not, you know, hurting for money and living off of off of our grandkids' Social Security, right? Yeah, that's what we all want, right, is the ability to do the things. I think the, and... the biggest problem that you probably face, and you've probably had this conversation a lot with a lot of your clients, I'd be shocked if you haven't, is... I know it sounds good right now, but don't do it yet. Like, let that money sit there for a minute. I know that, like, uh, you know, you're going to buy out and make your th thousand now, but do you need that thousand or do you want that thousand? Because you could turn that into 10, 20 in a couple years. For sure. And, and longevity, or I, I always say compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And... Let, we got to bring up the man if we're talking about investing that everyone brings up, and that's Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. He's worth roughly $100 billion at this point. Repeat that? $100 billion, Yeah. Which he started investing at the age of 10. Oh, wow. But here's, here's the kicker. Warren Buffett made about $80 million dollars of his net worth or excuse me, $80 billion of his net worth, 65 and beyond. Wow. So it shows you the power of compounding interest. It's, yeah. it's not that he's, he's not the greatest investor ever when it comes to year over year annual return. Uh -huh. There's, there's several folks that have beat him on that. He's just been doing it longer. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's, he's doing and he's, and, and to your point earlier, he's disciplined and he's consistent. Wow. And being consistent in investing is a game changer. How do you feel about people being billionaires? Do you think it should be allowed? Yeah. Okay. So 
The reason I asked that, and this thought never crossed my mind. And then I was, I don't know if I was watching the news, I was reading, I don't know what it was, but it was something that grabbed my attention. And whoever it was was talking that was saying that they don't think, and there's a lot of people who have this, this same mindset, which I have no skin in the game, so I can't tell you how I feel which way or the other, but they don't think that people should be allowed to be billionaires. Because once you have, this is what they believe, the term B behind your name, and I say B for billion, right? Is at that point, that billion is just a number. It doesn't really mean anything. And, and the whole grand scheme of thing, what I mean is like, like with your spending your money, you're not going to go buy a billion dollar house or a billion dollar car, whatever it is. A lot of people think that those that own or that, that, that have the billions and they can say they have the B in their name are just running everything else. So they think that the money should stop at some point. I don't know much about it, but personally, I kind of disagree with that. Like, I, I love Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. You, surely you watch Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. There was an episode I saw once, and then there was a very, 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 very seldom thing where Mark Cuban and Kevin O'Leary were trying to go into a deal together. And the reason they were, be, were able to snag up this uh, customer is they said, Mark said, hey, there's three people up here that are worth millions of dollars. There's two of us that are worth billions with the B. You get us, you get the B, right? Yeah. So you you don't think there should be a cap on how much you're worth? Like you you're a fan of the billionaire, right? Uh, yes, I am. And it is, it's just funny, like the way I hear that, like when I hear people talk, like the arguments that I heard were pretty legit on why people shouldn't be allowed to call themselves billionaires. The question I had is like, because you make $999 million, $999,999.99. What do you do when you get that extra cent? <laughs> like it means nothing anymore. I think that this must have been a political thing when I read this. I didn't, I, I couldn't tell you much about it, but it had to been like, they're afraid that the billionaires are making political political moves which obviously some of them are but that's not to say that i can't make a billion dollars and sit back in my billion dollar house in my own business though for sure and i think we get too much into concern with others when we when we start saying you can't do this or can't do that i mean you can call yourself pretty much whatever you want to these days and (laughs) i'm a podcaster (laughs) yeah let's you know let's not get into that but you know ultimately for sure that's that's why we love America, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. We we want to be what we want to be, and okay. if and if that's a entrepreneur that continues to build their business and mm-hmm. and grow their wealth, that's fine. But I, I mean, yeah, I think I think I'm for for capitalism and the ability to grow your wealth, and if you can help others along the way, that's a that is that's a great cause. That's a noble cause. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the most important things that I'm trying to do, you know, and, and instill in our kids, but those folks do more for others than a lot of the critics would even think about doing. I agree. So it's, it's hard. It's, you know, the, the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats a lot of times. Jesus Christ, I've never heard that before. That was phenomenal. Repeat really? That. Yeah, repeat that. Yeah, the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. That's phenomenal, man. But I want to, I wanna, since we're talking about these massive numbers, I want to I wanna share something right quick. And it, it's really mind-boggling to try to wrap our brains around billions and trillions of dollars. But we're about to see a $1.9 trillion stimulus coming out of Washington. But if you spent $40 per second around the clock... 
it would take you 289 days to exhaust a billion dollars. 289 days to exhaust a billion dollars. If you spent $40 per second around the clock with a trillion dollars, it would take you 792 years. <laughs> you just said years. $40 a second, right? $40 a second. It would take you 792 years to exhaust a trillion dollars. It is insane. a massive amount of money that's being pumped into the economy. And it's really hard for Apple and Google and Facebook and Netflix not to do well with that kind of money coming into the economy. So, and, and, and I don't, Please understand, Weston, real quick, that I do not – I'm not trying to get into a political, political standpoint, okay? I don't care if you're right or if you're left, if you're blue, if you're red. I want to know right now from a advisor standpoint, from someone who has dedicated his life to investments and advising for other people to invest, how do you feel about a $1.9 trillion stimulus? I think ultimately that bill comes due in the form of taxes. Okay. And, and that – you know – effectively the Trump administration did a stimulus of that size. And so is the Biden administration See, or will be as soon as you, it passes. Thank you the for Senate. saying that because you didn't, you just made it to where it's not right or left blue or red. Yeah. So you said Trump, you said Biden, but you're thinking it could be like, it's going to come back and like it. That's that, that money sounds good, but it's a tax pain. You know, we're going to come back and get bit in the ass. That bill comes due at some point. And, and if, okay. if the administrations don't stop spending, which it doesn't matter if you're red or blue, the administrations in Washington are spending money right now every okay. single time that they're elected. The reason I wanted to bring that up is because now this won't post for a couple more days, but that got passed officially today. Right? It still needs to be signed by Biden, but yes, but it, it's it's in the House right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you say that. Like, it's a cool way of looking at it. Is like it doesn't matter a political standpoint, which is not where I'm getting at. Is you're saying that it's not necessarily a great thing. It's not a bad thing. We're all going to have some money in our pocket, and those of us that have kids are going to have a little bit money. For sure, those that are single, which for is sure. Cool, but and I, and I would I would first assign, define myself as a Christian, and furthermore as a conservative. But from an investing standpoint, and investing standpoint, the market does not care if Washington is red or blue. They care about profits and loss. So I'm going to get X amount of money, right? As are you, and as are everybody, else, every other American, whatever tax-paying citizens, pretty, fairly soon, right? If you Assuming don't, if Biden you don't make above the right, the right, cutoff, right? Yeah. Which a couple of people won't, but you know, but those of us blue-collar people, right? Right. What do I do with that money? Do I put it in my savings account? Do I invest it, or go buy me a, a badass TV? Whatever you want. It's ultimately going to You're stimulate. You're investor. Don't tell me what it, you want. Well, it ultimately is going to stimulate the economy. That is the that is the purpose of those funds. So, Absolutely. It's got a stimulus package. I don't think people realize that. I was thinking about that today. Those of us that are smart are going to put that in a savings account or maybe invest it to do something way in the future. Okay, I can tell you where ours went the first time. 100% in a savings account. Yeah, what it, most people are going to do is going to go blow it on stupid shit. Which, although although that's dumb from an investment standpoint, and you probably can't stand that. That's what it's for, though, is to get these businesses back to where they started. Let's stimulate the economy. That's what a stimulus package is. Yeah, I'm saving mine. I don't. I don't have a dog in the fight on the stimulus. I think that it's going to help a lot of people because 
there were things put in place that hurt people in regards to regulations and restrictions. And, mm-hmm. and I think that we did um, give up some of our liberties last year and the ability to pursue happiness. Sure. If we want to go back to that, sure. that statement way, way long ago. But ultimately, you got to use it for, for what's best for you. And that's the way it goes for, for any individual out there when it comes to investing. If, it, if you don't need it, sure. Put it in a put it in a Roth IRA, you know, save it for a rainy day. Yeah. But if you're gonna if it's gonna help you uh, make ends meet, then that's what it's for. Sure. Uh, there there is a, you know, there is a certain amount of folks that will just blow it like you're talking about, but it's helping a lot of people as well. And the end goal on a stimulus like that is really to boost the economy absolutely that's what it is it'll do that yeah but the future generations will pay for it in the form of taxes Mm. and that and that's unfortunate but we can navigate that that's that's part of what i do that's you know making sure that we put money in things that mitigate taxes and that set you up financially to take income in a way that you're not paying a you know, a super high tax bracket on that income. So that's, so if I got a stimulus package coming soon and I don't need that money, I'm not saying it's not going to help me, but if I don't need that money now would be the time that I should get a hold of you and be like, Hey man, I've, I've essentially got a X amount of money bonus. I don't know how many kids everybody has listening, but you know, the more kids you have and the more, whatever mm-hmm. it is, as long as you don't make too much money, you're going to get a check of something. Yep. You're going to help me invest $1,400. You're going to help me invest $10,000, whatever I'm going to get, right? Yeah. Why not come to you? You're going to help me turn this money into something else for my future. Yep. So the first thing that you should do with that $1,400 is buy a book called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. The Psychology of Money. Yep. And not, not sponsored, but one of the best books that I read last year. And Tell really, me who wrote that again. Morgan Housel, I think is how you say his last name. H-O-U-S-E-L? Yeah. Okay. And the behavior, because $1,400 isn't going to change your life. Absolutely not. You have to change your behavior to change the branches on your family tree if you sure. want to get really you know, deep. But you, you're going to be investing over a longer period of time, like the Warren Buffett analogy. You have to do it consistently and disciplined to really have that compounding interest take an effect. Yeah. And then it is, it's incredible what it can do for, you know, your, your lifetime, but also then you can start talking about leaving a legacy for those that you care about. Damn, man, you know what you're talking about. And, and it's so funny because above everything else, when you're talking about Weston, like if I were to talk to anybody that we went to school with, this case, I'm going to use that as an example. Like I know we've made plenty of connections since then in our lives, but people always know you as like, and I describe this to you. I, I do this all the time. If, if your name get brought, gets brought up, you hear the old adage of he would give you the shirt off his back, right? Everybody's heard that. Weston Tucker, I swear to you as God is my witness, would give you the shirt off of his back. And I mean that literally, not figuratively. Although it works figuratively as well. You would do that. Like, you're just a good dude who is raised by good people who, who just tries to live a moral, upright life, who has a phenomenal wife and phenomenal kids. Like, you, you're a good dude, right? So, you're going to to to... 
get this money and like you're not gonna tell me hey man you need to go throw your money in GameStop cause that's not necessarily but you're gonna help me get to where I need to be not today but 20 years from now correct yes sir yeah exactly and the majority of our listeners as I'm beginning to find out are people that we've known for a long time and the smaller uh, group of people who don't know Weston can take my word for it right um you all must know me, like me, care about me, some sort. Maybe you hate me and you're you're listening to this podcast and hoping I fail. And more power to you. Suck jokes on you because I've got like ten episodes now, or maybe nine. Um, give you need to put your money somewhere, right? Whether it's trusting Weston Tucker and 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 Edward Jones Financials to put your money in somewhere. You're telling me you don't give a shit if the money if 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 these listeners become your client. Let's put our money somewhere, right? Correct. You're not trying to get business out of this. Yeah, and, and I can only serve so many households. I mean, I work with professionals and business owners. We we right now have about 350 households in in oh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not talking about Edward Jones and Lubbock. You're talking about you specifically. Yeah, our our office serves about 350 households, 13 states, and and we only we have a certain capacity, but I'll say this: if 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 you reach out to Landry, you reach out to me. If I can't help you, I will find somebody that can. We have almost thirty advisors in Lubbock right now. Sure. So, um, it is it is more important that the behaviors in place and the the good disciplined investing is in place to secure your financial future than is it than it is if you work with with me and that that's the the, the point that i'm trying to make is 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 weston didn't call me one day be like hey bro i know that you're reaching out to x amount of people like i could really use some money right now let me do this like you're here just to to, to talk and to educate right you said you had 350 households roughly how many clients do you think you have so i'm going to include businesses in that just, just, just me. Just asking. If you don't not come to me answering that, tell me. Yeah, it, it's probably roughly two times that. I mean, that two per household, and then then you got kids, and we're we're really working to be generational advisors, where mm. we're working with parents, kids, mm. and and grandparents. Mm. Um, but I think roughly, if you break if you break it down to averages, probably seven hundred individuals. Let me tell you something, man. Knowing you as long as I've known you. And having the luxury of calling you as not my buddy, but I, I refer to you as my friend. And people that know me, I, I tell this to my daughter all the time, is I don't use the word friend lightly. I think too many people say my friend when it's really an acquaintance, a bud or something. Like friend is someone you can rely on, right? For sure. And and I have had and I will always have the luxury of calling you my friend. I am like that's so fucking cool hearing that number. Like I, this has nothing to do with anything, but other than I just want to tell you publicly, I'm so proud of what you accomplished, dude. That's pretty cool. But that speaks to your merit. That speaks to who you are as a person. I don't know how much advertising you do. A lot of it's got to be word of mouth. Is like, hey, I, I dealt with this guy. He treated me with dignity. He treated me with respect. He didn't screw me over to try to make a buck. Mm. And here we are, 750 clients later phenomenal job dude i'm so proud of you i appreciate that and uh this is going to sound like i'm tooting my own horn but we've been able to help two other advisors get mm -hmm. started mm -hmm. uh through through asset sharing programs yeah. and we we have um transitioned around another 300 households to those individuals 
and roughly $10 million sure. to help get them started and provide better service for those that we don't have the capacity for. Yeah, if you can't, so, like that's the beauty of working for a larger business is I'm going to help you, but what with what what I can't help you with, someone else will. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna re- like think of you as our mutual friend Andy Mazzolini, who came on this ep- on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Is if I can't help you, I sure as hell I'm not gonna send you to someone shady, right? Like, no doubt. it's gotta be someone who's gonna treat you to the same dignity and respect as I will. For sure. One more question before we leave, because. I really think as like I didn't realize as we're talking that this gets as, as in depth as it is. So like I'm already my brain spinning that you're coming back pretty soon and we're going to go to part two. Sounds good. Unless you're not having fun, and then we won't do that. Is I want to start a college fund for my kids. Okay, and the reason I use it because this one's a legit thing that uh, Mama G has planned for for all the grandkids. Right. You start a college fund. Okay. For your babies, your grandbabies, whoever it is that's listening, that money doesn't necessarily have to go to paying for tuition, but there is a price to pay for that college fund that doesn't go to tuition, correct? You told me something about this when I was in your office. Yeah, your your 529s or college savings plan are, are tax deferred and tax free when used for college education. Tax free. Yep. If you start setting money aside, I'm going to say for your grandkids in case there's some people who are listening. Sure. But the most of us have kids now, right? Like we're reaching out to a lot of people that you and I know that we went to high school with who all have younger kids. Yeah. And you could be paying for your RN school with a 529. You could have put money in yourself and use that money in a 529 for your RN school. Are you shit me right yeah. now? Well, I guess I'm a bad advisor. I should have told you that. <laughs> in all fairness, I'm not so sure you knew I was in RN school RN school, till I knew till I told you I was in RN school. Fair enough. Um, so, like, it's not only going to be helping yourself if you're looking at maybe furthering your education or stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, kids are getting a little bit older, starting school, I, I, I want to do something different. Put money into your own fund. Mm-hmm. But we all love our children. We all care about our children. And, and there's nothing better than as a parent. I say nothing. There's a lot of things. But... As like as if I can put my three kids through college and they graduate and start making money and bam 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 like yeah. they're set and not having to worry about the stupid student loans that we all know and hate. Yeah, how cool would that be? So if I start putting money into my kids' student fund, yeah, um, it's tax free. Is if it's going to tuition. Now let's say I have money set aside for my oldest that I'm that I put aside through you. And she decides it's not going to go to pay for tuition, but she needs help paying for rent or something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pay a little bit of a fee. Yeah, you can potentially have a 10% penalty and then pay taxes on the gain. And that that's pretty much all it is. Um, to your point, though, that is an amazing thing when you can help educate your kids. But as a financial advisor, I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of first. Because if, if your well-being is secured then you can take care of your kids. That goes a lot with, uh, like, for all of you that have flown, you never put the mask on your child first. You put the oxygen mask if the plane starts going down on yourself in order because I can't help the person sitting to my right or to my left, which those of you that know me and know what I do, I really want to help them because that's embedded in my blood. But I have to take care of myself first before I take care of the person sitting next to me. Absolutely. 
And that's exactly what you're trying to accomplish there. You have to make sure that your well-being is secured, your financial freedom is secured, and then you can help your kids. It all falls in suit, and it's just a snowball effect now. I'm good to go, so Reagan's good to go, and Riley's good to go, and Rainsley's good to go, and their kids are good to go. Let's just all do this, and we're all going to be high-fiving at the Christmas table. Absolutely. So, like, I really want you back because, like, as I'm talking, like, I'm now a little bit more interested. Yeah. Um, the wormhole goes deeper. So, last episode, I talked about doing my first three-way, and I mean that podcast-wise. Like, let's not <laughs> get disgusting in menage a trois. A good buddy of mine, Mr. Shane Frankel, who will be on this podcast soon in Weston, listen to Shane's episode. Every guy, every girl, listen to Shane's episode, okay? He actually used to work on the floor of the stock market in Chicago. You're watching my hand right now, right? Do you know what all these symbols mean when they're on the stock market, when they're looking up at people? Are you familiar with those? Surely you know. Yeah, and most of it's gone digital, but yeah. That, but okay, we're talking yeah. like old school stuff, right? For sure. Shane used to stand down here and he was telling his people what to do with the futures. He worked a lot of futures. So like right. he was telling people, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. You and him would get along so well because he invests, a, like he's an investor. He's going to listen to this podcast just because he's interested. Like, it's cool. I want to get the two of you on here together, and all I'm going to do is sit back in the back and just drink whiskey. Because I have no, like, when you two are talking, but, like, I want you two back. Sounds right? good. Yeah, I look forward to it. Um, so tell me real quick, uh, of course, for everybody that's listening, I'm going to guess that probably at least 75 to 80% of you know Weston. Um, how can everybody get a hold of you? Like, we're a long time removed from high school, so people, like, we've kind of lost our ways. Tell me right now how I can get a hold of you to, to for you to help me out. Man, I haven't gone far. I'm uh, I'm just down the road on 82nd Street. My office is between uh, Milwaukee and Upland. Okay. Right next to George's Restaurant. Mm, but go get your burrito. Go talk to Wesley. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, reach out to Landry. Um, you know, for those of you that know me, send me a message, text. Um, if not, I, the office number is... Six nine eight six nine three eight. That's eight oh six. That as well. Yeah, but um, and one one thing I, you said earlier, I want people to know, like we've had friends who have moved on that are no longer in Lubbock. You said you're covering thirteen states, so those of you in Cali or those of you in Dallas, Texas, or whatever, all you have to do is call them. Repeat that number again. Eight oh six six nine eight six nine three eight. Okay, call them. Reach out to me. Let me know, like, hey, like, Weston kind of struck my interest, and I'm interested, in, and and I promise you, I'm going to get you in touch with him. He's a text away from me. Um, let if you happen to go to Weston by yourself without reaching through me, which don't if you don't have to, let Weston or his uh, staff know that you heard about him on the uh, Having Said That podcast. I'd just be interested to see how many people we've reached out to. I just want to repeat this again. We we said it like 17 times. I did not call Weston on here. He did not do this to try to promote his business, okay? Weston is a good dude, and everybody knows Weston knows what I'm saying. He's a smart dude. He knows money. When you and I used to live together, you know what your favorite show was? My favorite show? Yeah. Tell me. Mad Money. Yeah. Dude, you used Jim to watch Kramer. Mad Money with Jim yeah. Kramer every night. I knew nothing, dude. Okay, keep in mind, when you were 21, you were finishing up college. When I was 21, I hadn't even started college. Was I watching that then? Every I... night. I'm not joking you. You would call me into your room like, hey, dude, check this guy out. Listen to what he's saying. And I remember standing in your room like this, 
arms crossed listening to Jim Cramer. He had me convinced on everything he said because he's a good salesman. Yeah. But it's funny to me that you were watching this and you're trying to promote investing to me at 21 years old. And the reason, the only reason I bring that up more than anything else is you've studied this, you've researched this. This is a passion for you. Nursing for me is a passion. Investing and helping and advising is a passion for you. It's not something you do to sit at home and be like, oh, hey, babe, I got another client today. Yeah. That's not your style. It's, hey, babe, I helped somebody today. Yeah, for sure. I was very fortunate right out of college to to go into a field that I enjoy being in. And, yeah, I get to, I get to help others. Funnily, funny enough, it was, it was either financial advice or mm-hmm. medicine. Like, I... Really? I got yeah. I was the, my other doctor, by the way. my other favorite show was House, and I <laughs> that convinced me that I could be a surgeon. And Dude, I was like, going, I was going down that road. House, I remember, like I remember watching House with you. Yeah, like. I knew, I knew that I could do that. You yeah, know, and for that, sure, probably not. But uh, you know, it it ended up working out really well. And well, what been, if what if I bring this full circle, okay, and I bring you a physician? that you can help advise and then you can kind of dabble in that while you're advising you, you can do the best of both worlds. What do you yeah. Think? That, that I'll sounds great. One. And I, we, I know a couple and we work with some in town and, and it, it, it is really a great mutual, uh, business relationship Absolutely, because it, it brings in the best in of both <laughs> worlds. Yeah. It's, it's something that, uh, it's yeah. nice. And we, and we work with a lot of practitioners and, and business owners because that's that's something that I'm interested in and I can get on the same level with those folks. Yeah. So it's really, yep. that that pushes the passion even that much further. So it, it's really nice when that comes together like Absolutely. that. Man, I, I appreciate you coming. Like I feel like even after this chat that we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, broad strokes here. Here's kind of what I'm thinking. And I'm calling you out. Once a month, maybe once every six weeks, I'm going to have you on this podcast and we're going to start discussing a little bit of a little, little bit of financials, whether people are using you or not. Let's all, let's all like help ourselves because pretty much the people who are listening to this are people that we knew, like that's people helping people, right? For sure. I appreciate you coming, man. Um, we're going to be doing some more of these. Like I said earlier, I, like you knew you wanted to come on here to, to have some fun and hang out. And I, I hope you had a good time with chatting. Um, I know I did. Uh, as I say before I leave every week, I want to challenge you, and I'm looking you eye to eye. You need to do something nice for someone tomorrow. If you could do it now, it's 9.39 p.m., like on the way home, like <laughs> more power to you. But tomorrow, I want you to do something nice for somebody, okay? And I'm not talking about like, oh, hey, later, I help somebody make some good choices financially tomorrow. That doesn't count because that's your job. Right. Okay? Pay for somebody at George's. You go over there to buy yourself a breakfast burrito. Help out the guy behind you. That $2.39 of a burrito and a coffee may make the difference of a lifetime to the person standing behind you. No um, doubt. And I, I, I want you to to encourage your wife, encourage some friends to do the same thing tomorrow. Let, let's spread that. Like, let's do kind. I'm actually real quick. We've got a, uh, just like two more minutes, okay? I'm stealing this idea from a podcast that I'm a huge fan of called Short Story Long. And the only reason I say that is I will never take credit for something I didn't do. If you could prescribe something for every human in the world to do for 30 days, they have to do what you say. What would it be? Read the Bible. Holy cow. You knew that before I even asked. Okay. 
Proverbs specifically. Uh, Proverbs? Yeah. Okay. I love that answer. So I, I think I'm going to start asking that question for my next at least four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guests. It's a cool idea. I, I just like as I'm saying is what I want to do. So Weston's pres- prescription for 30 days, I want everybody to read the Bible. He says Proverbs. I don't know why, but like here, it doesn't matter why, right? Read Proverbs for the next 30 days your life will be changed. I love that, man. Like, of everything you could have gone, you notice Weston didn't mention money. He didn't say, call me and invest. You're not making money off of people reading the Bible. No. That was phenomenal. Like, that gave me the chill months with you with you saying that answer, man. I appreciate that answer. Um, so that's what we're going to do. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Weston will be back. Like I said, though, if you, if you have any questions, any concerns, any comments, please get a hold of Weston. If you don't know Weston's number, if you're not comfortable quite calling him because you know me and not him, find me. Um, send me a message. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Send me a phone call, a Twitter, whatever. I don't care. Let's do this again. We'll see you next week. Peace. Say bye. Later.